This week on the Magnificently Huge podcast, the current heavyweight champion of schlock, Roland Emmerich. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So why do a show about Roland Emmerich? Well... Because he makes disaster movies, and I love disaster movies. But he also makes science fiction movies, and I like science fiction movies. And he he does historical dramas, and I I like those too. The thing is, he, he makes everything look nice. The problem is, none of them make sense. They're all very stupid movies, very, very sort of childish logic behind almost all of them. But you can forgive him that because they just look so right. Uh, We've been talking about Roland Emmerich for years, me and the boys, because we're just alarmed that someone like this can exist. And we know you'll be alarmed too. So come with us as we walk down the career path of Roland Emmerich, master of the stupid. Hello. This is the Magnificently Huge Podcast again. Hi, Magnificently Huge Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing very good. How are you? I'm I'm good. My name is Brian, by the way. Death to the proletariat. I'm guessing that's Chris. <laughs> this is Chris. I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry, I've, I've been caught up in impeachment fever, so I'm just feeling my oats. Yes. <laughs> and over there is the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Yeah. A.K.A. Eric. No, no, I'm not Eric. I'm I'm Eric's dog, Ketchabok. Hello. Uh, I'm very charming and furry. (laughs) For those that don't know, explain why your dog is named Ketchabok. Just FYI. Because I'm a snuggle bun? Oh, why why I have the name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the movie Down With Love, starring uh, Ian McGregor and um, that that woman who looks like she ate a lemon. Um, Renee Zellweger. Yes, Renee Zellweger. <laughs> and they were they were in a movie called Down With Love uh, that was sort of a throwback retro 60s uh, yeah. Doris Day Rock Hudson-like movie, but it was done in the zeros. Yeah. And his name in Ant-Man. it. Yes. No, no, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. They hired yeah. him after they fired, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and Ewan's name in that is Catcher Block. Catcher Block, a ladies' man, man's man, man about town. Yeah. And so uh, is it down with love, like, hey, yo, I'm down with it, or down with love, like, down no, with the get, man? Get rid like, of it. Yeah. Okay. Get rid Basi- of it. It's actually, it's, it's a full it's a on Judy riff Garland's, on. It's a Judy Garland song. And it's a full okay. on riff on the Rock Hudson Doris Day uh, pillow talky thing. Yeah. You've got to see it. It is so. It is. It, it, you don't. You don't believe how good it is uh, 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 while you're watching it. You're like, this is supposed to be crap. This is amazing. <laughs> and then uh, was it David Hyde Pierce plays the Tony Randall role, right? Yes. Okay. And Tony Randall is in it for a minute <laughs> oh, or two. Mind blown. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So Eric's dog is named Catcher Block. 
based on a movie no one will ever see. Yeah. Good and and I, I, I'm the only person I know with a pet who has a last name. Not true. And as long as... <laughs> it, oh, really? Well, my, my cats have middle names as well. So, yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know they had last names, though. Well, it's my last name because they're my cats. They're my dog has a name, but I'm I'm far more likely to just refer to him as dog or puppy. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, well, you've I, got you've got some kind of psychosis. Then yeah. there's something wrong with people who do that, well, who have a cat and then name him something like Billabong or whatever, and then like two days later, it's cat, well, cat, get over here, cat. Well, you know, to be fair, I do spend a fair amount of time yelling at my cat, "Hey, asshole." Uh, so that's kind of his that's unofficial. A, that's nickname. your cat's proper name, I'm sure. That's yeah, yeah. That's acceptable for cats or children. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, <laughs> awesome. So enough with the well, as long as we're this, as long as we're this deep into it, I may as well continue with the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. And my fresh shit is not exactly fresh shit, but it's very quick. Last night I went to bed listening to the Rachel Maddow podcast, which I highly recommend to get your daily dose of liberal truth. And uh, the thing is, I fell asleep, and my 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 uh, uh, podcast player uh, on iTunes it, it it's set to keep going. Uh, yeah, so it, just it keeps kept going playing. back in time if you don't set the sleep timer. Right, and so at one point while I'm asleep, uh, I I am listening to the Democratic presidential candidate debates. And in my oh, dream, I'm walking around with them around the pier in uh, uh, in Los Angeles, in Santa Monica. And we're all walking around. And there's all these reporters like running after us, like in a big crowd, p- firing questions at them randomly. And they all answer it. And me and uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. One of the other presidential candidates, we just keep looking at each other when the other people answer like, what an asshole, because they all have those sort of pat weird <laughs> answers that don't say anything. And we were every time Tulsi Gabbard would say something, we would all like grab our ears like, oh, God, <laughs> as one should, would do. We should note we are we are recording this podcast minutes after the votes to impeach President Trump were taken and Tulsi Gabbard voted present yeah. for both counts, which is yeah. so sweet. That's a good uh, way to win the Democratic nomination, I think, is mm. to do that. Is it, though? No, it? it's not. Yeah. It's a good way to run for third party and re-elect Trump. Yeah. See, and I disagree. Other- I think if there's one thing this nation needs, it's cowardice. <laughs> yes. I don't know. At Clearly. Least from, at least from the president. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. was was there any nicotine patch involved with these dreams? <laughs> no. but you're, That's always my, but, uh, but, my follow-up question whenever you bring these up. That's true. That's true. Because I have a history of nicotine patches and fucking amazing dreams. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, and at one point Bernie Sanders starts talking, and he's just an old man who just starts walking away in a straight line. This is what I think, and then the two percent and the four percent, and like I was just like, man, I love that guy. He's insane. Uh, <laughs> and then I thought, wouldn't it be awesome to have? a dream programming podcast. Basically the first hour is like nothing, maybe a sound machine sound. It's something that you just put on and you go to sleep and you forget about it. And then while you're dreaming, it programs your dream. And then, you know, like you and Bart Simpson and the monkeys can like all go 
uh, you know, play a gig on Saturn or whatever, but it's like all on the podcast. This this sounds especially <laughs> like a way to make somebody into a hidden assassin. You're like delving into Manchurian candidate territory here. That Only could be with funny a modern too. Twist. <laughs> that could be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, Eric, what you're reminding me of is a video I saw that was like a troll video that was, you know, one of those like sleep meditation YouTube videos, right? And it's like, hey, hey, why are you having trouble going to sleep? And it just starts banging on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it always starts with like the, the sounds of waterfalls and things. <laughs> right. Yeah. God and I'm pretty sure this was all part of an episode of Futurama. With any luck. But anyway, well, that's all I got. Well, I really hope that you workshop this bit into a good uh, stand-up routine. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of like doing an episode of it, just like like a one-off, and see if it works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dalek relaxation for humans! Yeah. <laughs> you are feeling more and more relaxed. all right i don't know why but every time ever since i listen to that podcast i whenever somebody says get her done i get this intense pain in my balls (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh well thanks for sharing eric i i wish you Mm. proper sleep uh on the next round thank you very much you're welcome very much all right Who's next, me or Chris? I think Eric Chris. should call it. Oh, it's me? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will preface this with uh, one question. Uh, what was your feeling on Joker, the movie with Joaquin Phoenix? Brilliant. Uh, would have been so much better had it not been about the Joker and had been the exact same movie, just without the title Joker. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I lean towards Brian, but I will also say that I fucking hated this movie. I just oh, hate, good. I hate it. <laughs> good, do tell. Uh, it just, uh, my main beef is that I could not for the life of me figure out why it needed to exist. Uh, much like the Han Solo movie. Uh, they took everything. Same answer for both, you know. Yeah, but they took everything about the Joker mythos mm-hmm. and they just trashed it into a little ball and set it on fire. It's like none of it made any <laughs> difference by the end of the movie. And oh my god, it unraveled so hard in that third act that I just sat there scratching my head going, why the fuck was this made? And B, why the fuck is it made over a billion dollars worldwide? I don't get it. Uh, But I will say, Because we live in a nation of people like Eric who want to take it out on everybody. I guess. But uh, I will say, Joaquin Phoenix does a phenomenal job. I just don't buy the movie. I really don't. I like See, like I, Brian said, it, it could have been about uh, anything other than the Joker. It might have been more interesting. But See, I think this is great that you bring this up during this particular episode because like 2012, yeah. it's a movie that as I'm watching it, I'm going, this has got problems, but I can't think about it because I'm too busy going, go, go, yeah. go. <laughs> well, it's just, yeah, yeah, there's so much wrong with it as I watched it. Uh, a, it's just, it's so grim from start to finish that i just i don't understand the only reason i kept watching was just so i could say i finished it because i guarantee you i'm never going to watch this thing again and it doesn't do any good service to actual mentally ill people i don't think 
Uh, it just kind of lumps them all in and that they're crazy. But the fact that he's an unreliable narrator anyway, yeah. uh, I, I think that's their out if they ever want to do anything again with this character. Yeah. But, but even, just, even if he's yeah. the unreliable narrator, he thinks that he is Bruce Wayne's yeah. half-brother. And that's just stupid. Yeah. They did. They they totally spectered the shit out of it. They yeah. spectered the shit out of it, and I'm like, oh come on, <laughs> seriously. And then like, and I think the last time we talked about this, we one of I think Eric brought up the fact it's like, do, do we really need another Bruce Wayne Batman origin with the clutch pearls falling to the sidewalk yeah. and the whole nine yards? It's like yep. every Batman every movie time. needs to have that. It's like, come yeah. on, it didn't need and it the, at all. I think the only reason they put that in here was as a fuck you to the other Batman movies. Probably, it's like for once we like that they the bastard got shot. Yeah, but uh, but my biggest beef is that they just totally neutered the Joker as any sort of rogues gallery character because in this one he's just nuts. He's not a criminal mastermind. I didn't feel threatened by him other than the fact that he's just off his meds. And that's uh, just so. it. Nobody wants to feel sorry for the goddamn Joker. Yeah, it just neutered him completely. And so I, I question why this movie needed to be made. That's it. That's <laughs> that's what I watched this week. And I was uh, uh, thoroughly underwhelmed by the entire enterprise. I, Thank you very I much. I liked the social commentary behind we make these people by not caring about people. I guess, oh, but, yeah. the, but the whole thing it's, started to sort of fall into like a weird alt-right GOP fantasy thing where the rich are the persecuted and we got to watch out for all these crazies. Uh, let's oh, not see, I thought it was completely you know I mean? from the other direction, too. I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. it was a very like uh, uh, alt-left, if if there is such a thing, uh, uh, a view yeah. of these these rich people who we've regarded as heroes are actually shitheads. Yeah, I took it the and they total, dug their own grave. I took it the total other way because it's basically the when he when Bruce Wayne's dad is calling people clowns on TV, and then that starts the whole movement. And then he spends the rest of his campaign for mayor talking basically about how he's victimized by all of the clowns. Blah 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 blah. blah. Do you I mean, think the movie just, is yeah, taking but, Bruce know, Wayne or Thomas Wayne's per side? I yeah, don't think it's. I don't think it's you. taking any side. I think, it, but it just to no, me. Oh no, he's Trump. He's an asshole. We are not supposed to like him. <laughs> so, but I don't know. It just all got lost in the shuffle because they spent so much time trying to build this persona around the Joker, and it just fell flat for me. I would put. Yeah, I, I would. I, put, I'm kind of with Brian. I think this would work on its own if it was if it wasn't Joker. Yeah. And everybody yeah. I talked to about this movie, who's seen it, that seems to be the consensus. It's like if this was anything other than Joker a branded DC comic movie, then it would probably be better. And, yeah. uh, yeah. and I think Up that's to, damn and crazy. including the go- guy going on TV and shooting Robert De Niro in the forehead. Yeah. Which probably never happened anyway, but who knows? So yeah, it's got problems. I'm never going to watch it again. Uh, it's going to be on all the critics lists and, uh, I'm going to poo poo that. All right. So, all right. Yay. Thank you. So between I the like three of us now another perspective. Yeah. So between the three of us, Eric loved it. Brian was middling and I fucking hated it. So mm-hmm. ta-da. Hey, variety, difference of opinion. Yeah, it's Hooray. a shocker. It's a shocker. Because we agree on so much all the time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's nice that we can each like, you know, I'm right. 
you're wrong. Brian's in the middle. I, I, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much been the story of our entire friendship. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> what all have right. you watched this week, Brian? So I've got, I got a few things to go with here. Uh, so first of all, my Christmas music pick of the week, because there's still a little time between now and Christmas. Uh, so there's a, a new... Now this one comes out before, uh, before then. Okay, okay. There'll be at least a few. There's a new album this year by, of all people, Anna Gasteyer from Saturday Night Live. Um, really? Mm-hmm. And her Christmas album is called Sugar and Booze. And that's the song I want to feature, where she talks about how the best part of the holidays is sugar and booze. I like cider, but keep it spiked with rum. What good's a little drama boy with no pa-rum-pa-pum-pum? Come New Year's Day, we'll all resolve those extra pounds to lose. But now's the time we let it rip with sugar and booze. Wasn't she one of the like the sisters on SNL that did the yeah. Jack? Okay. Yeah, and she did the NPR no, sweaty no, ball sketch what? and stuff like that. Yeah. Clang, clang, clang with the, the, the trolley. No, those that was Nora Dunn and the one who's dead. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Maybe well, I'm wrong. Egg, egg on my face. Once again, you're right. Anna Gasteyer <laughs> did um, the Martha Stewart impersonation. Yeah, okay. yeah. She was deadly as Martha Stewart. That was a great one. It's a good thing. All right. And while I'm on the topic of music, there is a new Sparks song. Go back, uh, check out our website, maghuge.com. Find our episode about the, the band Sparks. And uh, there's a new song, and it's called Please Don't Fuck Up My World. Please don't fuck up. I will say that uh, it's episode 95 that we did about sports. Dang, that went by fast. Uh, yeah. Because we're at like 118 or something here. Yeah. Well, that was like back in mm. like July. All right. So we'll get into TVs and uh, TV and movies. And we'll, we'll cover movies first. Um, I went and saw... Good God, I have no idea what the subtitle of the new Jumanji movie is. Jumanji something else. The next else. level. The okay, next level? Sure. <laughs> Jumanji well, again? Well, welcome back to Jumanji or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I hear it's okay for a sequel, but, you know, whatever. I I mean, they were missed opportunities, right? Like, they're, they're supposed to be going into a potentially broken version of the Jumanji game, so they... They could have done a whole lot more with that, and they yeah. didn't do really anything with that. The, the main point of this movie, first of all, I don't recommend it if you haven't seen Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Um, first of all, that's the better of the two movies. And second of all, this one keeps calling back to it. So you really kind of have to have seen the first movie for this movie to make much sense, I think. Um, but the main reason to watch it is to watch all these actors doing different characters because the the whole concept is that you get teleported into the Jumanji video game and you are 
in the body of either Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, um, Kevin Hart, or Karen Gillan. Well, let me ask you this: was Was Karen Gillan allowed to do any other characters this time? Um, only for a little bit. Okay, but that's the thing that that does happen in this is that um more than one person inhabits each of these people um throughout the movie so you get to see them these actors stretch a little bit mostly um, i'm just interested in hearing the rock do his danny devito no what you're interested in and you don't think know of, it go ahead <laughs> i can't think of how i could be less entertained by this concept though <laughs> i mean just if i told oh, you nick okay. jonas was in it would Black you be less entertained being weird <laughs> It, all I'm going to tell you is I don't know. Nick Jonas dying in Midway was the best thing in movies all year. <laughs> no. The, the actual best reason to see it, and I, I, this is a spoiler for Jumanji, screw you if you're bothered by this. Really? Um, is to see that the Danny DeVito persona ultimately goes into the body of Aquafina, the actress rapper. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Aquafina doing DeVito? She kills as Danny DeVito. <laughs> it's great. Awesome. Okay. I'll watch it when it streams. Yeah, sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Was it, um, how would you rate like, it overall of the just the crap that you went and saw so you wanted to get out of the the heat? I mean, uh, where would I place this among the... I mean, it's better than Men in Black International. Okay. Um, is it better than Dora the Explorer? Yes, it's better okay. than Dora is the Explorer. It, is it better than Dave Ducatu? Uh, <laughs> no. We are better than Dave Ducatu, but very ah, little yes. else is. Yeah, inside uh, joke. Thanks for playing. Thank you. No. Um, all right, TV. Uh, one show that's been getting worse and one show that's been getting better. The Are Mandalorian is getting worse. <laughs> yeah. It's only just started. It's like six or seven episodes in, but I'm going to agree with Brian. It just, all, it, it starts All I keep silly. hearing people say is Baby Yoda, and yeah. I'm like, I'm out. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bother it, if I have to put up with a baby. There's no story. Yeah, there is no it's, story. It's just episodic. It's, it's a, like Chris and I were talking, this is basically a kid's Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah. You could watch them in any order. <laughs> and it, it wouldn't matter. matter. I think where we we fell, Brian and I were talking about this uh, last week, uh, just comparing notes, and it's literally, the thing that struck me is that it's, I did not expect a show about an intergalactic badass bounty hunter to be totally overstaged by a goddamn baby Yoda. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just should not happen, yet that is the case now. Baby Yoda yeah. bonkers everywhere. That first episode says, we're going to have badassery, right? And then... The rest of the series, not so much. Yeah. I it, really... The, there was a Tatooine episode. They go back to Tatooine, and it's just nothing but fan service yeah. for fan service's sake, which, by the way, is, you know, tomorrow, Star Wars. Yeah. Eh. Good luck, good luck eh. with that. Mm. No, when they get to the episode I'm of sure it'll be fine. Yeah. But when mm-hmm. they get to the episode <laughs> in Mandalorian where basically the whole episode is a riff on... Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven. Uh, I was just like, yeah. I'm, I'm out. That I'll, was the one I'll directed watch- by Ron Howard's daughter. Yeah, which makes sense, I guess. So they're doing basically like original Star Trek weekly episode type things. Yeah, well, basically. Yeah, it's like that's Planet almost, of the Week. That's almost brave when you think but, of how no show does that anymore. 
Well, the, the most thing, recent though, episode was basically an episode of Doctor Who. It was yeah. running down <laughs> corridors and shit. Yeah. Yeah, and basically, and it's, it's the, my takeaway is it's Star Wars, but it looks like Star Wars on a budget because it's for TV, and oh, yeah. so it, it falls more into like the Buck Rogers. TV show category uh, where you only have like a couple of spaceships at a time because your budget doesn't allow for massive fleets and all uh, of the locations are sort of very close quarters, uh, easily yeah. defined and they don't really See, scope it out too much. So I, it's like, uh, and I was, when I heard they were making a star Wars show, I was like, Oh, that's awesome because they'll use the same idea of digital sets and then no. they can do oh, whatever do. the fuck they want. I mean, they but, do, but they, but it, it doesn't pan out. All of the the epic vistas are like Tatooine. It's totally I mean, wasted. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard the music- to compete. Oh, the music sucks. The music just yeah. straight yeah. up sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, when John Williams is no more, this Star Wars thing is done because he is like the experience of Star Wars. If you put, he's the heart. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. That's the main reason I'm going to go see the movie is Pixels and John Williams. Yeah, uh, but um, so yeah, but yeah, the Mandalorian is 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 letting everybody down. Um, but you know what isn't, and I'm shocked to say it. Do tell. Fucking Watchmen. Wow, I heard, I heard it's good, but I don't huh. have HBO, so I probably won't ever get a so chance to see it. So here's the thing about Watchmen, and I actually listened to the official Watchmen podcast where where Damon Lindelof is interviewed about the whole thing. He was he was super terrified to do this project because he knew everyone had the knives out for him and and like, you know, he could really fuck it up. But the reason he took it was but if if I don't try, somebody else will fuck it up and I will hate it. So if it's going to exist, I'm going to take a swing at it. <laughs> if it's going to uh, get fucked up, it's going to get fucked up by here, me. Here's the thing. He nailed the landing. He had an ending. This is a complete thought and he's on the podcast going, "I don't I don't really have an idea for a second season I think it would Good. take an awful lot of work and I hope they don't do it unless somebody <laughs> does do that well, well it strikes um, me that maybe they'll be doing like a true detective thing where it's sort of like a whole new deal I mean uh, so this thing is structured very much like the Watchmen uh, original Watchmen comics and graphic novel um, it it you know they they do th- episodes that are from the perspective of certain characters they they have a really convoluted plot that is presented to you in like little pieces for you know different points in time different perspectives but when you when they finally bring it all together it all clicks into place and you know Dr. Manhattan eventually uh does show up in this show and does experience all of time all at once um, and they managed to sell that on TV. Um, they actually pay off all the characters uh, really well. And they tie it. It's interesting. They, they don't touch the events of the comics, really. They kind of treat that as gospel. But he definitely recontextualizes a lot of stuff around the Minutemen and then takes the takes the world from where the the graphic novel ended and goes forward to present day. And well, it, would, it would make sense that he would do the Minutemen, though, because that's sort of a very small fragment of the original Watchmen. So that's yeah. ripe, ripe for picking. You know what I mean? So does a great job of uh, making it about something. It's, it's about, you know, uh, racial inequality. And uh, 
I don't know, man. I he he says on the podcast he just wants people. He, here's what his goal was. He says For people who have had a 30 year relationship with Watchmen, like I have, or came to it later. People who have a, a pre existing relationship with this, who may have watched the show with their arms crossed from the jump which is how I would have been watching it had I not been making it. If their arms gradually sort of unfolded, I don't need them to be clapping at the end, but if they made it to the end of episode nine and they're sort of like, okay, this thing can call itself Watchmen. That was his goal and he totally achieves it. (laughs) I'd be willing to give this a shot knowing that it's got essentially a hard end. I mean, knowing that that it's done, done. Yeah, that it's the opposite of Lost. (laughs) Yeah, his history of shows is like doing a season two or three because he has to, but, you know, shouldn't. He leaves the door open, but not in a way that's annoying. This is a complete thought. It ends well enough. You could take these characters to other places. There are more stories I guess you could tell, but you would need to think of something as intricate and complicated and, you know, history-spanning and relevant to, to earn the title Watchmen. I, I, he's, he's laid down a pretty good gauntlet. Are we coming back for season two or what? Um, my instinct right now at this precise moment of time is I don't know and probably not. Question number one was why, and question number two was why now? I don't have satisfying answers to those questions for a second season of Watchmen. The answer to why can't be because the first season worked and you just do more. Or we're just going to build on the pre-existing themes more. Like, So I don't have an answer for why. If it ever becomes available, I will, uh, I will definitely check that one out. Yeah. It's another nice thing about cord cutting is that you can buy just like a month of HBO. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I'm excited as a sidebar because... Uh, for Christmas, my wife got a new laptop, and it came with a three-month trial of Disney+. Plus. So I'll be watching Ooh. the shit out of that until it goes away. Cat from uh, outer space for days. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to throw down the challenge now. Uh, each week, I'm going to let you guys tell me what 70s movie I get to watch, and then I'll talk about Ooh. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so think about that. I'm going to pull out my Disney Plus app and try to come up with something right now. Uh, You don't have to do it right now. I don't want to go crazy, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, the Apple Dumpling Gang. I'm on it. Oh, I'm on it. (laughs) Because uh, I will tell you this, I love both Dom Knotts and Tim Conway and uh, Sandy Duncan. Oh, I I was nice with the Apple Dumpling Gang and you know it. (laughs) <laughs> hey, chops and applesauce motherfucker yeah so uh yeah we'll do Jesus. that as an intro and then uh we can revisit but uh yeah i i'm gonna just throw whatever shit you want at me and i guarantee i'll like it so yeah today we're talking about roland emmerich who is roland Why? emmerich roland emmerich is a german filmmaker <laughs> of german extraction from germany and he makes how to describe it he's he's one of the my, one of my favorite awful filmmakers and i <laughs> he really is and i here's the thing I, I, having watched a bunch of his films this last week i i've come to the realization that he is he is full of ambition yes. he wants he wants a spectacle yes. and and he he gets a lot of guff for making films with really bad dialogue 
And I think it's because he resents having to make story and talking. Yeah. He just wants to show the shit. <laughs> and the thing is, I totally understand that because my fav- one of my favorite films is still 2012. And it's, okay, I'm going to set up some shit and then, come on, let's get on with it. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and then we do. And it is just destruction after destruction. Yeah, I will give it to you. And I don't, I don't like 2012 at all because it's just so mm-hmm. one note. But I will give you this, that the way it is structured is very much for anyone with attention deficit disorder times 10 because every setup is the same. Natural disasters come and run away as fast as you can before it yeah. hits. And yeah. then, oh, some talkie talkie. Oh, here's the next stage. Natural disasters coming. Run away as fast as you right. can. And I'm not <laughs> over interested. Over. Yeah. I'm not interested in the characters. I'm not interested even in how they escape the next disaster. Yeah. All I care about is what's going on in the background with LA being completely yeah. shattered or a uh, Yellowstone pyroplastic flow yeah. uh, destroying Las Vegas. That's that's it. That's all yeah. I'm in it for. So, all these characters are just sort of traveling <laughs> devices to the yeah. death. I think, like, I think there's a the statement to be made here about Roland Emmerich, though, right? Because I think you can kind of split his career into everything before Independence Day, Independence Day, and <laughs> all of the attempts to recapture the magic of Independence Day. I yeah. think that's fair. I think well, that is fair. I will add the the sideways what the fuck of the Patriot that yeah <laughs> I like. Oh remember. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through it because he's okay. also got this historical bent. Yeah, it's like he's got this. He's like Gore Vidal in that way. He likes to do his main oeuvre and he likes to do his homage to history. Okay, and they're both pretty funny. But well, uh, a little little background. Uh, uh, Roland Emmerich. Uh, he saw Star Wars when he was a kid and he said, that's what I want to do. Like so many filmmakers did. And he went to film school and in, in Germany in Germany. Yeah. Where he's German. And he, <laughs> it, this is, this is funny. He, um, so for his, his thesis for his final, you know, all the students made a short film and they raised like, you know, 20,000, uh, marks, which is like 600 bucks or I don't know how much, you know, each to, to make a short film. He goes off and he gets 1,200,000 marks to make <laughs> a feature. His thesis, he makes a feature. Uh, and it's, it, it, yeah, it was called the Noah's Ark principle. And it was a sci-fi about a, uh, 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 a satellite that changes the weather. Go look it up. On YouTube, it's free, the whole thing. And it is a slog. It is so boring. It is really boring. It's all, what's funny also is all the characters are American, but all the characters are speaking German because it's a German film. And they have names like Billy and Ace, (laughs) and they're all speaking, you know, German. But the thing is, all the dialogue is awful, all the setup is unnecessary, all the effects for a low-budget film are pretty goddamn good, and that's the only thing he seemed to care about. Well, that's the thing, is I read some stuff uh, on him, and he basically has said that he wanted to make American-style movies for the German audience, because mm-hmm. uh, everybody knows that that shorthand for European movies are boring. 
Uh, so <laughs> when you want to when you want to get a big crowd, you, you do the American style bullshit. Uh, right. But I will say this is he is very good at bringing films in under budget and on time. And I think that's why he keeps getting to make the weird yeah. shit that he gets to do because he gets it out. I mean, and his stuff actually looks legit. Uh, as dumb as they are, they look mm-hmm. legit. And I think he's a very solid technical filmmaker. And for that, yeah. I applaud him. He uh, does come from, I mean, he, he- he didn't come from a whole community of Roger Corman filmmakers, but he made other films like Joey or Hollywood Monster that were just low budget. You know, they they have a point. They you know they we're just getting to the scares, and he pulls it off. And he doesn't. I, I, he doesn't go over budget because he doesn't care about the art. He knows what he wants <laughs> to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Well, uh, what was the first? film of his that you've you saw you remember watching uh um, of me ever was all of us and i've just cleared his first three films here in this conversation so i may as well go to number four which i saw with you moon 44 yeah which is my my favorite sequels ever yeah it's better than moon 42 (laughs) and this this film was made for a German audience. Yeah. It was not made to be released in the U.S. It was a moderate success in Germany. It was a straight-to-video here. Yeah. Uh, I will say that and, uh, brilliant casting, Michael Pere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sadly have not seen Moon 44. So and it's interesting YouTube, visual effects. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, a group of prisoners who are on an asteroid who have to fly these missions to, I guess, mine. I guess they mine somehow from well, airplanes. Yeah, it's basically, but the airplanes are controlled by these brainiac nerd no, no, whiz kids no. back you're, at the base. You're oversimplifying. It's uh, two competing corporations <laughs> are mining uh, moons in space for minerals, and one of them is losing because the other one is like a weird militarized corporation that's just raiding all of the moons in sequence uh, to put the other one out of business. So they have these like helicopter gunships that they are using to fight off these invaders. But for some reason, they can only fly them through canyons on this moon. And so they need navigators in the cockpit, like the the control room back on the base to help them navigate these canyons. Uh, Yeah. It doesn't it's a make whole any thing. sense. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah, sense. It's a whole thing. Um, That's another thing with Roland Emmerich. There's always something in there where you go, what? Yeah. And, and he, he goes, shut up. And then you'd go on to the next yeah. thing. There's so many examples of this. Well, move 44, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell, uh, sleepwalking through a paycheck. Uh, he's the only real star in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and the then, last time Malcolm McDowell wasn't <laughs> sleepwalking through a paycheck. Yeah, it's a fair. I think Malcolm McDowell's one job is to walk around going, I used to be Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Michael Prey. But Moon 44 does have a distinction. He uh, cast in one of the lead roles Dean Devlin as the navigator for Michael Prey. Oh. And Dean Devlin would end up being uh, his partner in many films, production-wise, like co-screenwriter, etc. cetera. Uh, so that's sort of... Uh, an important trivia bit for the Roland hmm. Emmerich oeuvre is that I think that's where he started his uh, partnership with Dean Devlin that lasted like mm-hmm. 10 some odd years. Uh, so it's just funny to watch, but yeah, it's so fucking awful, yeah. but I will tell you, it looks great for the budget. He built a world. It's got yeah. a very solid Ridley Scott blade runner vibe. Yeah. Uh, that 
it's the height of his uh, German filmmaking where I think he said, you know what? Fuck it. I can go to L.A. and I can do this for real. Yeah. I can, you know, and that's mm-hmm. his next film is actually he didn't he didn't really have a lot to do with Universal Soldier. He was hired to take it over from a director who they fired. Uh, oh, really? But his next. Yeah. So his next credit is Universal Soldier. So this is the one I revisited. This yeah. Yeah. So but this one also just, has. Sorry, go ahead. This one has Dean Devlin on the script as well. Yeah. Right, but he otherwise didn't have any credit for writing or producing. He was—I I think it was one of those things where it's like we're gonna we're gonna take this nobody from Europe and see what he can do. And it was his audition, if yeah. anything. So Universal Soldier, okay, as the Mandalorian is to Star Wars, Universal Soldier is to Terminator. Okay, it is <laughs> a little bit. like a little the bit. smaller, lower budget B movie version of the Terminator. It's better than several Terminator sequels. That's not. That's not kid ourselves yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually very good i I'd, I'd forgotten it until i rewatched and it's actually it's, quite entertaining it's actually you know another note on how bad roland emmerich's actual writing is is that it requires the skills of jean-claude van damme to elevate his words <laughs> well, i love the because fact one, that- <laughs> one of the best moments in that whole film is i just want to eat yes. <laughs> <laughs> well i love the fact yeah but at least they had sense enough they hired van damme and then they basically make him a cajun so that they could uh, right off his yeah. French accent. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't make any right. sense, but okay, you go. So, so a few things I, I, I loved about this on a rewatch. First of all, Universal Soldier comes out in 1992. Now, Doom, the video game, comes out in 1993, but they yeah. use the same sound effects library. So all this shit <laughs> in Universal <laughs> nice. Soldier sounds like Doom, which is fucking hilarious. That's awesome. Oh, man. And then they set up the, the scene where, you know, normally insert the sex scene here. But they set it up with the guy uh, who's, who's uh, the manager at the hotel is watching the Dr. Ruth show in the background. And the end of the scene is like, and now let's get on to the intercourse. And, <laughs> and then they don't, which, which is actually kind of a nice redirect. Um, if anything, Van Damme is who is objectified in this movie. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was yeah. sort of his, his ascendancy, uh, if you will. So this is right as his star was pretty much apexing before he started to crash and burn because of all the coke. Uh, <laughs> so this is definitely at the height of his his popularity. But it's well, and another thing Terminator about Roland film. Emmerich is, yeah, oh yeah, totally. Like every <laughs> they go to a location and then they destroy the shit out of that location. So then yeah. they have to go to another location so they can destroy it. Destroy the shit. That's, yeah, and it's that's all the movie. And then at and the end, they play body count. Body count. That's the <laughs> other thing. I love that. <laughs> I forgot that part. But yeah, you get through this this action body extravaganza, this death everywhere, and then. An ice tea comes in. Body count. Body count. Body count. It's literally, they say body count like 400 times. <laughs> so, what is a, a hit song that is a big deal with the kids these days? Body Put count. that in. Yes. Uh, but I will say this that uh, I know Eric is, I don't, he may not anymore, but he used to have a really huge crush on Allie Walker, the actress. Oh, totally. Yeah, I was oh, about to say. She's smoking hot. Yeah, but and she has smart. No, no purpose in this thing at all. It's like you could have just written her character out and it would have been the same movie. No, just no, about. she's Woo. the trigger. She reminds Van Damme of the woman I, he I was guess. trying to save in Vietnam <laughs> and, and, and sets he's off a, the whole explosion uh, thing. 
Okay. And he's a fish out of water, and you need someone to explain stuff to him. Yeah. And she's sassy. I'll tell you that. She's sassy. And and she's she's just constantly got this thirsty look for Van Damme on her face the whole time. Like, there's so much <laughs> chemistry, and they don't pay it off at all, which is actually mm-hmm. kind of cool, because she's got agency. Um, well, you know, you got to save it up for the big fight at the end where he uh, throws Dolph Lundgren into the wood chipper. Yeah. You know? I also always liked Allie Walker's smoky voice, you know? Yeah. And she smokes a lot in this, too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah hey, you Universal hey, Soldiers... Man. A, a movie where seat belts are considered optional by people. Yeah. 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 Hey, Marsha. Yes, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what more to say about a Universal Soldier. It's just one of those hidden gems of the early '90s when they were making a shit ton of these things. Yeah. And, uh, and I still like it. It's a great well, B movie. Yeah. And and yeah, that's that's really the thing about Roland Emmerich is that he is a B movie filmmaker yep. who gets serious budgets, yeah. and he doesn't burn the people he works with, so he gets to keep doing it. Because Universal Soldier, which was largely just a directing gig, worked out, they said, "Okay, now what do you want to do?" His next film is Stargate, yes. and this is where we start getting into the aliens are bad segment of his career yeah stargate i you did you you watched this right was this on your list chris this was going to be my pick for the of his oeuvre because this to me signals uh where everything sort of gels for him as a a filmmaker this is the oh this is really the first this is what i want to do now that i have the budget and the freedom there's nothing stopping him and so his choice is stargate yeah uh, and you remember I, I said the, he has moments in all his films where you just go, oh, come on, what? And he doesn't dress it. Yeah. In Stargate, the whole thing is you've got the Stargate and you have to lock in seven of these symbols in order to travel, right? Yeah. And they they have only gotten six of the things on there and they've never been able to get to the seventh. But the thing is, it's a wheel with a bunch of pictures on it. So if you have six of them, you just keep spinning the wheel and doing them one at a time until one of the motherfuckers works. How dare you? How dare you? I'm watching this and I'm like, wait, how is nobody catching on? They they didn't need the, the genius, uh, uh, um, Denny Craig. Yeah. Yeah. James Spader to show up. They could have just spun them one at a time. And I'm like, is nobody going to say anything? And then the well, the smart lady says, this is as far as we've ever gotten. I'm like, why? Why yeah. didn't you just keep well, and the then one? Well, then there's the scene in the, the briefing room where he pulls out the maps and stuff and then figures it out. And then the general says, so you're telling me that it took you four days to figure out what it they couldn't do in two years? That's how he yeah. writes it away. And I was it's like, like it, oh, took, okay. it took two years yeah, in two years, nobody figured out to keep spinning it yeah. like for the seventh one well, and check each of them one yeah. at a time. Well, I mean, the movie's got so many problems, but it's just ridiculously entertaining. Oh, yeah. But to <laughs> me, it, it it encapsulates everything that you need to know about Roland Emmerich's deal. Whereas uh, he's kind of like a Tarantino type, where he'll just grab whatever uh, from mm-hmm. other movies and you just mush them all together into something else that's still yeah. pretty much like everything else. So this yeah. one, you've got uh crawl because you've got the, the weird floaty pyramid castle that just shoots down and dominates everybody. You've got a full on Lawrence of Arabia vibe down to the fucking score. Mind you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
why are they seriously playing Lawrence of Arabia? But it's just slightly off. It's like Vanilla Ice doing <laughs> ding 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 ding. Instead you know? of Lawrence being on t- of uh, you know being on top of the camel that runs away, it's James Spader yeah. like strapped to the back of yeah. one of these weird exactly. sandhog things. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's got that going on, uh, and Kurt Russell's just and Kurt Russell, can, but you know. Yeah, you can you can sort of spot the the things where he said, "I want it to have this, and I want it to have this, and I yeah. want it to have this, and I want it to have this." Now go figure out how to make that make sense. Yeah. I want pyramids. I want Egyptian gods. I want lasers <laughs> and airplanes. But I'll tell you, uh, it gets by for me uh, almost solely on the charm of James Spader. Uh, he has a blast in this thing, and it's just fun to watch him because uh, he's just got that twinkle in his eye, and he knows it's a bullshit movie, but he's still gonna have some fun. <laughs> Yeah. So it it was weird because um of course most of us saw Stargate after watching The Crying Game a couple years earlier. <laughs> yes. And Jay <laughs> Davidson, me, the actor who who plays the trans yeah, the, the transgender woman uh is raw here in Stargate and I yeah. just I it was such a signature role that it was hard to take raw seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they made his eyes glow. It's like, come on. But uh, I thought that was a bit overdone. But at the same time, I was like, you know, in this, Ra is a man and Ra's kind of hot. So yeah. I know Very that this isn't an actress playing an actor, but it's like, wow, it that's it's like breaking the fourth wall in a broken fourth wall that's like 16 walls, right? It's yeah. It's another one of those things where you're just not sure where this falls. Well, for me, it's I, I think this is the prototypical Emmerich film because it's got all of the basic elements. So you've got the scientist who knows what's going on, but no one listens to. Uh, then you have all of the bullshit action that doesn't really make does, much does sense. Does Emmerich get residuals on the several television series? Yeah, that, he, he that's his production company doing yeah, that. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that went on so, forever. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then you've also yeah. got shadow, uh, like echoes into Independence Day with the alien yeah. makeup. It looks, it looks almost exactly like the aliens uh, in Independence Day. It's like, did he just recycle? But the thing shit? is, Probably. throughout this entire film, throughout this entire film of slaves on another planet mining ore, of you know the robots. Oh wait, somebody just make a noise. Maybe that's me. But you know the 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 robot guard people or the whole thing with Ra, the explanation of the pyramids, all of that. The only thing that's truly unbelievable is French Stewart as a badass. That's it. That's <laughs> exactly. the only yes. part in it. Yeah. Where you go, what? No, no. You just expect him to like look up with a squint going, I don't know, Dick. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little third rock from the sun for you. Uh, uh, well so, yeah. played, sir. Uh, but yeah. yeah, this thing was like a weird runaway success. I don't think they anticipated how much money it was going to make. It was very strange. Yeah. It was sort of a Highlander moment where yeah. everyone was talking about it and it was like, what? Really? That? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, Which that- set him up for his, his ultimate, you know, piece de resistance, the, the eight and a half, the, uh, Fanny and Alexander <laughs> of the Roland, Roland Emmerich, Emmerich career. Movies. Yeah. The Sister yeah. Kane of, uh. Alien invasion movies. Yes. If you will. Independence Day. I hate 
this, I hate this movie, movie. So much. <laughs> now I, brian and i saw this in the theater and we mystery science theater 3000 at the entire time i think i went much and saw to it, the chagrin of many yeah, yeah i went and saw it with a, a another crew of friends and i think we went drinking beforehand and I think I fell asleep somewhere in the first 20 minutes, and I didn't wake up until they were at Area 51. And then I think I actually blurted out loud, is that fucking Brent Spiner? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate people like me in retrospect. I hate people who talk to the movie, but fuck this movie. We were yeah, getting laughs. It was so bad. It was oh, so yeah. bad. It's, it, uh, the way I yeah, described well, it at we the time. We were getting laughs because the comedy was supposed to be coming from you know Will Smith. Yeah. Mm. I mean... It, I, and this was also the height of his powers. This is yeah. when people decided Will Smith needed to be in more movies. We yeah, actually have you. an episode of the podcast where we talk about this movie in depth, and I encourage you to go to our website and check that out. But I'll just say it again. This movie, the first act, is awesome. It just kicks so much ass, and the rest of the movie sucks all the fun right mm-hmm. out your asshole. <laughs> That's, Yeah. Perfect because perfect it had to have a, it had to have a happy ending. This uh, this yeah. movie gets fucking dark fast, and I'm like, if it had just kept going dark, I think I would have I, I I would have just loved this film. You know, if it like, what if the whole film had basically been about, you know, what we deserve to be invaded by aliens? Fuck it, that would have yeah. been great. Yeah, I I think we we I, have plenty to say about it in episode forty four. I, uh, yeah, but I'm one? perpetually dumbstruck by the fact that people find the president's speech inspiring in this movie. <laughs> this may be the dumbest man on the face of the earth. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. This could very well be the stupidest person on the face of the earth. Perhaps we should shoot him. <laughs> oh, nice callback, yeah. sir. He's going to put the clip in, too. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So then he, he. So then hubris takes hold because when a filmmaker has his big shot and, and pulls it off, he has to fuck up bad the next time around. Oh, yes. And sure enough, Emmerich makes Godzilla. Yeah. Somebody gives uh. him the property Godzilla. And it is the most hilariously awful film. Well, even even I look at yeah. this and go, no. Well, here's the thing: is he, in retrospect, he has said he probably shouldn't have done it because he doesn't really watch the Godzilla films. So it's basically handing the property over to someone who doesn't get anything about it. Uh, yeah. What if, what if Jurassic the, Park, but we get to destroy New York again? Right. See? Yeah. He he would pull that one off. Sure. That, that's Godzilla. That's 1998's Godzilla. <laughs> but then they do like little and baby Godzilla. Yeah, Godzilla around it. Yeah. yeah. And Matthew, and Matthew Broderick. Broderick chasing it through the city. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, on, look man. out. That's a Godzilla. And, well, and they have. It's, it's they, the nebbish. The He's got a nebbish yeah. in all these movies now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. he does. It's part of the formula. Yeah. Do you know who the actress was in that film? No. Nobody does because it absolutely ruined her career. career. She didn't work after this. It was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go sell real estate. Yeah. Uh, It was a big, dismal failure. But it does have Brian's favorite song of all time. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm. (laughs) That one, yeah. Come with Uh, me, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, talking uh, over Led Zeppelin. Yes.
Yeah. It's also a callback to Moon 44 because all the helicopters fly only between buildings. Yes. And and make make wicked sharp turns like it's a canyon. (laughs) I I do also, I I remember thinking, wait a minute, you can't find Godzilla. In New York, you can't find Godzilla. The fucker is like like a 60-story building and he walks around going boom, 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 but he's hiding? Yeah. What? Yeah. It was awful. Uh, terrible. Movie. I don't really have. I don't really have anything to say otherwise. Uh, okay, it was a blip in his career. So, but, so uh, let me see. Right. Independence Day sucked, and then Godzilla sucked. So let's let's keep watching these next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Patriot with Mel. Yes, I'm a fucktard racist Gibson. Yeah, uh, and and uh, yeah, <laughs> and basically it's and, just and him. Heath. I'm the best Joker Ledger. Yes, and if in an early role. So and this uh, is who, the point where. I feel like I wised up and and people other people didn't. Why why are we still doing uh, these movies? Well, anyway. I remember I went and saw this movie just on a lark because it was Roland Emmerich and I had seen Independence yeah. Day and I had seen Godzilla and I'm like I wonder how he's gonna fuck up the Revolutionary War. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember thinking this is a guy who at this point I hated him because like like that was like three movies in a row where I was just like oh god it's like stinky farts and now he's doing a period piece and yeah. you know that's a guy going oh, you know i can do more than this yeah what what but what the, gets blown the fuck up in the patriot uh, uh some plantation bunch of bunch of people yeah. you know it's like at one point they fire cannons into a charging group of men and you yeah. get to see a guy's leg blown the fuck yeah. off basically if, if you want to know like every movie he makes sort of borrows from something else and this one definitely just is him doing braveheart as a revolutionary war epic mm-hmm. that's yeah. literally all it is uh, and it is the birth of Jason Isaacs as the ultimate British bad guy. Yes. He is so good in this. Whatever you think of the film, he himself yeah. is genius. Yeah, it's definitely pre-Malfoy. Uh, it's got that vibe. So Miss Granger. <laughs> so, yeah. But I don't really have anything else to say about The Patriot other. It's so forgettable uh, as yeah. a movie. So It kind of is. Because yes. you're right. It's just Braveheart in uh, colonial times. Yeah. And... You know, we all know what happened to Mel Gibson. Yeah. So but the, next is, oh, go ahead. I was just saying the next one is where he uh, finds his, this is where Roland gets his groove back. Yeah, because it's a disaster film. <laughs> yes. It's a political statement uh, about the environment and uh, like a lot of shit gets destroyed. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, and it's got a ridiculous premise that doesn't make a look of goddamn sense. Right, but for but but it's actually a new thing for him, which is it's nobody's fault. There is no bad guy in this. The yeah. only people in this are good guys, and most of them die. And the yeah. name of because the movie is the day yeah, after tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is basically about a giant super winter cell that has engulfed the planet and basically freezes stuff in a matter of seconds. Like right. hardcore freezes stuff. Hates New York City. Like really <laughs> he wants does. New York he City does. destroyed. He really does. Uh, yeah. How many times has he destroyed it? I wonder. At least Let's four. See. We've got this, three so far. Independence, Independence Day, Day. Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, twenty twelve. Uh, do, do we see it in twenty twelve? Because they kind of move from. Yeah, okay. they do DC and Vegas and LA. Okay. We can assume uh, there's Stonewall, but he doesn't destroy it. It's just yeah. a big riot. Yeah. Uh, White House down now. Okay. Yeah. So a good, a good three. That's a, yeah. a fair okay. percentage. 
Uh, but yeah, but this and one not, again. Not many people know this, but 10,000 BC actually takes place in what would become DC. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, New York. So I guess that could be maybe <laughs> a fourth. Another one. I I'm hate. sorry. That but was cheap. Do you have anything to say about Day After Tomorrow, Eric? Yeah, it's it's actually, again, I watched it, and it's a lot better than you remember. Yeah. Because it's, like, got great disaster moments, and yeah. everyone who dies doesn't really have it coming. That's what I really love about him is the... Um, the Erwin Kirshner disaster movies, they always sort of set up, you know, whoever was an asshole and it was going to deserve to have a horrible death. Yeah. And Roland Emmerich is just like, no, everybody's just living their lives and they get a horrible death. You know yeah. what? You're, you you leave this theater tonight, you're probably going to have a horrible death. <laughs> it's That's just the way it is. Well, this is the one where the, the poster concept art really does the job of selling it. Because it's basically the frozen over <laughs> New York uh, mm-hmm. with the the Statue of Liberty poking out of the ice kind of yeah. thing. It's like you know what you're in for when you go to this. Yeah, thing. it's like again. Wait a minute. There's there's super cold cyclones that caused the ice age. Then are you yeah. going to explain how this is our fault? Because you've been telling <laughs> us like the first twenty minutes is all our fault, and we yeah. got to stop fucking up. Yeah, but I like that it's just pseudoscience and. They're just, you know, oh, blah, 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 gibberish, gibberish, gibberish. Yeah. And then you've got to listen to me. <laughs> and then yeah. It's like every setup for every one of his movies, just about. It's like the yeah. the president but, won't listen and God damn it, everything. Yeah. So but just again, just 50 push sci-fi on. sci-fi movies that like, you know, yeah, yeah. there's a whole, like the Joe Dante movies, you know, are constantly trying to do that, uh, yeah. that plot. But the, he's taking it seriously. Yeah. Pretty there's much. no camp. It's straight uh, uh, that, Mr. President, we need to get you out of here every time. Yeah. I like that we don't even show Mr. President getting killed in this one. It's just, like, oh, yeah, yeah it's he, that that dead. actor that we know from a couple of things but don't care yeah. about. Simon and yeah. Simon, I think. I don't know. Well, this is the thing that gets me. This Day After Tomorrow literally is just a bunch of interconnected scenes of people running away from stuff freezing really fast. Yeah. I mean, that's really yeah. all it is. And it's just, I, I, I have a hard time watching it because it's just so rote and static and there's just nothing that goes on unless you like watching stuff freeze really fast. It's so, yeah. freezing you know, it's really like, fast. Yeah. It makes no damn sense. Yeah, I know. It's like, and you could see the cloud coming in and people are like running away from the demarcation line and then falling behind <laughs> and getting frozen. It's like, this makes absolutely zero sense. Your science is perfect, sir. I applaud you. <laughs> so. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. No, no. The, all of that is just framing elements so you can watch shit get destroyed. Yeah. It's uh, um, solid. Yeah. Which, so, uh, uh, and the the first of two appearances of Seal Award, and uh, Seal Award is gorgeous for always. I don't know why, but Seal <laughs> Award always works. Okay. Um. So, 10,000 B.C., did it, did, did oh. either of you see this? Oh, no. I still haven't. I'll tell you, this is my You know my why story. I didn't see it? The advertising said, from the director of Independence Day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. fuck He's no. I'm not watching that uh, shit. Here's the thing. I avoided it for years, but I knew we were doing this show. So I thought, okay, I better watch it because that's that's a blind spot for my mm. Roland Emmerich viewing. So I couldn't find it anywhere where I could watch it for free, uh, which was a prime concern <laughs> of mine. Uh, so I finally went onto my uh, cable company on-demand menu and found 10,000 BC. I pulled it up. I start watching it. And then I realized 
that it was the one that aired on Telemundo, so it's all in Spanish. But then I said, <laughs> fuck it, I'm going to keep watching because it doesn't make a lick of difference if it's in yeah. Spanish or not. I can tell exactly what's going on from yeah, every it's scene. All visual. The yeah. He's, he is he is actually the ultimate European director in that yeah. he doesn't give a fuck what anybody says. He no. only wants you to see. He, it's all about the style and the yeah. look. And this one is very much him borrowing heavily from the Stargate oeuvre uh, structurally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Narrated by Omar Sharif, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically cavemen uh, kind of coming and get raided by the whatever more developed culture taken prisoner and then the ones left behind have to go and search so it's a little like fire and ice the ralph bakshi movie in that regard sounds kind of like clan of the cave bear yeah clan of the cave bear and then they find them later towards the end of the movie and it's basically the like an egyptian type culture building pyramids in the Uh, desert and then they revolt Uh, i'm I'm reading the cast on wikipedia and it says that we have a character called the almighty who dresses yeah. in long white robes, and he is the last of the three kings and the last of the Atlanteans? Yeah, it's just, it's a bonkers batshit movie. What? Uh, and it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought some, this was just cavemen. This sounds like a ride. It Yeah, it starts as, uh, you know, a caveman movie and then winds up being, like, Stargate, basically. We, yeah, I was going to say, were, did we get uh, aliens and Raw at some point? Yeah, almost. Might as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And then there's like a, a mammoth stampede at some point. So they do like a little dances with wolves routine in there. <laughs> it's hmm. just like, oh, everything wrong with this Dances one. with so mammoths. Wrong. Dances yeah. with mammoths. Yeah. There's some kind of story here, I'm sure, because this is, okay, he takes about two to four years to make a film. This came out, and then the very next year, the much-anticipated 2012. And so that's not much time to make one of his best films. I'm like, was 2008 some kind of thing, like, to keep the crew together or something? I mean... Well, maybe maybe it was like a Bond issue, and he just got to... Production money? I don't know. Yeah, it's what I don't know. But, yeah. but yeah, it's like they're, 2012 is right on the heels of his other numeric film, 10,000 BC. <laughs> yeah. And I've already, I still have like a sore uh, groin from the massive it, just just ejaculation I had during our disaster movies <laughs> show about this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even want to say anything about it anymore. Anything you guys want to say about it? Ah. <sighs> The Again, poster it's just, says, "We were warned." A film by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I we've mean, seen Independence we Day. Warned. We've established this. Yeah. 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 Well, I like the fact that it's just—it's again—it's the same thing. It's the scientist figures out what's going on, and then they warn everybody who won't listen until it's too late. But this one, the core conceit again—it's just pseudoscience mumbo jumbo is that the Earth's core is being warmed up by a proliferation of something called neutrinos, causing everything to just destroy from the inside out. And yeah. so the, the powers that be build these arcs uh, where they can house people so that they can survive. So basically, Only just, be rich people, yeah. too. It's like that the, the Earth is going to be repopulated yeah. by like the Queen of England yeah. and yeah, a, a bunch of oil barons. So basically, this is his version of Deep Impact, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> only instead of <laughs> instead of meteors, it's just volcanoes erupting. And, and so basically, and it's just the series Cusack of sack. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Ooh, and I gotta tell you, Eric, I can see why this is your favorite because literally every 
action sequence where they're outrunning some natural disaster is more bug fuck insane than the one that preceded it. And it all, and it all involved like the first big one is when John Cusack goes to rescue his family in LA in a limousine. Cause he's a limo driver and yeah. the big earthquake hits right as they're escaping. And it, they're literally outrunning uh, it's like sinkholes and stuff in this earthquake and all the shit's flying at him. And it's like yeah. a five minute sequence. It just goes on forever. Dude, and does any and then, stuff happen in front of them? It's always behind. Uh, it's okay, always behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, let me say, like, they made San Andreas, which was shit. And San Andreas had some moments in it that were, like, jaw-dropping. <clears throat> but what they never got right was that you can't have a jaw-dropping thing and then go 30 to 40 minutes yeah. through bad dialogue and characters you don't care about yeah. to get to another jaw-dropping moment. This one had such a steady build, and it fucking started at 11, yeah. and it kept getting bigger. <laughs> it's so and crazy. There was, there was a scientist in there nobody listened to because he needed to like explain the why, I guess. Yeah. But, but what I love is that really... The main story is about a nutball on a closed band radio who tells a limo driver. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I love the fact that they outrun the earthquake in the limo. They get to the airport and then they have to fly away from like the tidal wave that's coming to destroy yeah. LA. And it's like, and it doesn't stop. And then they get to Yellowstone and Woody Harrelson's crazy character. And then that starts to explode. And then they got to run. Back from to the, the pyroplastic so it's, it's universal yeah. I love that word. budget everywhere they go just gets blown <laughs> yeah, up yeah. yeah it's true yeah and then does. they go to vegas to get like the plane that can get them to china now that yeah. they know where the ship yeah quote unquote is going to be and yeah they have to outrun again pyroplastic flow yeah, that destroys so las vegas and then they and land a great in- great moment in that when they're taking off in that plane and the tower is going, you do not have clearance to, re- you do not have, re-. and you see the tower explode and you hear the guy go, ah! It's <laughs> <laughs> a very empire moment. Right. Well, they, yeah, and then they got to crash land the big giant cargo plane. Uh, and so they all get into like a McLaren sports car that's in the cargo hold. And then they basically escape out the back just as the plane's about to crash. But the plane doesn't crash. It's like slides in the ice. The guy made it, but he's on a precipice. And then he falls over the edge and explodes. It's like Emmerich mm-hmm. just always takes it to 10 and then he cranks it to 11 and then he finishes on a 12. That's his deal. Yeah. And he will kill innocent people. <laughs> to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. And then they finally, uh, I guess, live. I don't remember. Uh, how that ends. Uh, yeah, they live and they find like a corner of Africa that's like poking out of the water and, <laughs> you oh, know, Jesus and, God. and then, and then like, <laughs> basically I think the real story begins, which is all the entitled rich people find out that they're now slave farmers to the people who run the boats, who are the only people who know how to do anything. Yeah. So, so we I will say this five more movies in this guy's career. And I'm curious if we yeah. need to mention too any much. of them. I saw yeah, White House I think Down. this is a this is a pretty quick one. Anonymous is not bad. It's kind of silly. It's an interesting conceit that uh, a guy uh, uh, wrote all of Shakespeare's plays for him. And the poster and looks like they're blowing Shakespeare to smithereens because there is a riot oh, no. scene it's, in there. Yeah, yeah, it's Emmerich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got it's got its Emmerichy moments. Wanna it's see not Shakespeare dumb. explode, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's 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 worth catching again if it's free. White House Down didn't bother. Uh, That's basically it's basically Olympus Air Force has One. Fallen. 
Die it's Hard. Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah, it came out like the same time as Olympus Has Fallen, and I watched that right. piece of shit, and I was like, boy, have I had my fill. I'm good. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, the- Stonewall, which is about the Stonewall riots in New York, yeah. uh, which, uh, it. yeah, it's his historical bent and it's also his tip of the hat to his, uh, uh, you know, being gay because I, I don't think there's, you know, short of the beefcake moments and the women who don't have great dialogue, you don't, you don't see much gay in his films. And I think yeah. he finally said, yeah, I gotta, okay. I gotta address this tip of the hat to independence. The gay. Independence Day, a poorly conceived disaster film, really, oh, really kind of sad. Yeah. yeah, he he uh, he admits that that was not something he should have done. Like when they yeah. couldn't get Will Smith, etc. He's like, we should have just called it a day, but they wanted yeah. it anyway. So. And then Midway, which you saw, I did. Did nobody else see that? Here? No. Okay, but we brought it up uh, a couple episodes ago. It's uh it's solid, I got to tell you. It's his most uh fluid piece of work cuz it's actually telling a real story that happened. Uh and that's all I can really say about it. It looks great. They fill it with a bunch of characters that really just are there to fill in the gaps between the plane fights and the ship battles. Uh but it's, stuff it, blowed up real good. And and I think your review at the time that, you know, you did it as fresh it was it's better than Pearl Harbor, which is about, yeah. you know, which is about what you need. Yeah, Here, it is. It, yeah. It, it is. Here's the sign of a good B-movie director. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page and all of his movies, uh, only two of them have gotten more than 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And those <laughs> yeah. are The Patriot with 61 and Independence Ooh. Day with 64. His lowest score, 10,000 so, B.C., Eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I'm looking at the so same thing, and, that, and Moon Forty Four got a zero. You notice those two that got over fifty are the ones that would appeal to those MAGA hat wearing assholes, mm. right? Yeah. It's Independence yeah. Day. It's the Patriot. White House Down got and a fifty-one yeah. percent. Interesting. Yeah. We're actually uh, looking at different pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's same. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck that. Yeah. So uh, Roland Emmerich, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. Um, I wonder what he's going to make yeah. next. I figured he would retire after 2012 only because what's he got left to destroy? You know, well, it's like I once mean, your disaster film is fucking everything would be destroyed. It's like, OK, we're done. Here, That's it. <laughs> here's what I want. I want Roland Emmerich to make a musical. Can we make that happen? Like, I'm sorry Ugh. that Cats has already been made because that would have been awesome. A Roland Emmerich musical of Cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Where, what's maybe a musical like where things do, blow up a lot? Maybe you can do true. like a writer's workshop with Baz Luhrmann and like learn how to go. make spectacle like that because Roland Emmerich is very Baz Luhrmann esque. He yeah. just doesn't have, I guess, the. The well, style, beauty, or musicality. Well, maybe he'll take a page out of Verhoeven's book. Because uh, when Verhoeven He's like, been left taking Hollywood, a page out of Verhoeven's book the whole time. <laughs> but, but this particular page, Verhoeven went away in the early 2000s. He went back to uh, the Netherlands, and he made a period piece called Black Book, which is about the Dutch resistance in World War II. And it's a very solid movie. It's uh, very gripping. There's none of that ridiculous over-the-top bullshit that he's known for. 
It's a very tight See historical you at the movie. Party, <laughs> uh, so Emmerich can take a page out of that. And I haven't seen Stonewall, so I have no idea if he uh-huh. pulled it off uh, in that yeah. regard. But I think uh, he's still got it in him. I have hope. Yeah. He's a guy but, now who can do what he wants. And yeah. so I'd be interested to see what that is. Yeah. But do, do you yeah, think he's it's mad like that- the shit... The shit always looks good. You can't deny that. Yeah. Do you think he's mad that Dean Devlin uh, made Geostorm, which is basically just... I do wonder, because yeah. it is... Yeah, that was a very Roland Emmerich film. Yeah, so good on ya. <laughs> so, so I, you. So, we've been mentioning... I wonder, I, wonder why, I wonder why Dean Devlin never figured out that a Geostorm is a car and called <laughs> his film yeah. Geostorm. Yeah. So we've been mentioning a lot of our older episodes. You can find those, like we said, on our website. That's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Uh, if you know what Roland Emmerich's next movie is going to be, please drop us a line and, and give us a tip. You can find us on Twitter. We're at maghuge. Or hit us up on Facebook. We're the Magnificent Huge Podcast. Or, or find our Instagram and send us like set pics of the next yeah. Roland Emmerich film. Um Email no, no us, magnificentandhuge at gmail.com uh, with all of your spoilers and, uh, and treatises on why I'm wrong about how awesome Independence Day is. And no, you're very right about that. <laughs> you're very right. <laughs> and, but, but, but by all means, please subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social media feeds, rate it on the iTunes podcast app, and uh, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll, we'll Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Oh,